welcome to the Social Singh Experience. My name is Pitam Singh and with me is my co-host. Just Jot Singh. Welcome to the first ever episode of our first ever season showcasing our medical students. Oh, welcome to the podcast, Mangjot Kaur. Uh, thank you. Waigujji ka khalsa, Waigujji ki fateh. So just as an insight of what Mangjot just said, a fateh is a sick greeting between one, two, six, meet each other. Um, for our non-sick audiences out there, we know there's a handful of you who are not sick, so we're just trying to educate you guys on the sick faith um, as well. Um, so Amangjot is a fourth-year medical student at Western University in Brampton, Ontario. Uh, she was born in India, and then she moved to Canada around in fourth grade or grade four for our Canadian audience And she's, when she was around nine years old. So our first question for you, Amangjot, is what was your experience moving halfway around the world? Um, I think it was a very interesting experience. I was still a little kid and I think your experience is very different as a child because you don't understand what a lot of things are going on around you. Um, I remember one of the biggest challenges being one of the smartest kids in the class was being bullied a lot and having trouble making friends because no one wanted to, no one wanted to be showed up by the new girl and especially the girl at that. Um, so I remember being treated not the best by some of my peers. I remember people saying that they didn't want to talk to me and they didn't want to hang out around me. Um, I remember just uh, the difference in culture. Like um, it's a very different culture. Things are very open here in Canada. Um, there's a lot of transparency and you learn about a lot of topics really early on, especially in grade four is a time when you start learning about a lot of these things. Um, like sex education and all these other things that in India were not really a very big topic that is like talked yeah. about as openly so I think I remember like just being like really like shocked by a lot of the things that I learned um this is very new for me and I think uh having a different accent in the beginning where you have a in- little girl with an Indian accent and everyone's like yeah they're staring at you and be like oh you say that word funny or ha 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 you say that <laughs> um yeah. it starts sticking a toll on you and you really have to like you know, I remember just being like, no, I have to try to learn all the words correctly. And like within a month, I had like managed to change my whole accent. Um, so it was a very interesting experience. I think there was a lot of different things um, to put into perspective at that time. For sure. Um, so kind of like following up on that, what would you say would be like, uh, like how was your career going to move forward because you had moved countries and was there a set plan for you um, to go into where you are today or how did that kind of come about? So I've always said I wanted to be a doctor since I was a really little kid. I remember when I was like seven or six or seven years old um, and I had like a doctor's kit that my parents bought me and ever since then you know I went around saying to my parents that I'm going to be a doctor um, <laughs> And so it was somewhere in my psyche that that's what I wanted to be. But, you know, as time went along, like I explored a lot of other options as well. But I think in India, the way to being a doctor is very simple. You just have to work really hard and get really high grades and be the best kid in your school. And I was good at doing that. But then I came to Canada and the way to being a doctor here is not like that at all. And it's a lot more that you have to do. Um, And I think being the smartest kid in the class is not enough. Um, and also being the smartest kid in the class can sometimes hinder your ability to have friends and other things. So I think it was a very different culture and different, um, like I had to change the way I was approaching everything. Like my plans for my future had to change because it didn't fit with what I had spent my past like nine years of my life figuring out, you know? For sure. Yeah, that's like, dang, that must've been really hard. Um, so kind of coming back to now, 
what might seem your undergrad. Um, so, you know, you talk about when you, we talked in the past about um, leaving for university or versus, uh, you know, commuting to school. Um, so can you like talk about like your undergrad process and how, how was that experience for you? Um, even like being a sick and being, and being just like an, or not an international student, but more someone who had to have like a culture change and things like that. Um, I think undergrad was a very interesting experience for me. So um, I did really well in high school. And um, so I had, I had, a, I remember applying to like 16 or 17 universities because I was very child. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do. Oh, wow. um, I had and like they weren't like all the same program like I had life sciences in there I had health sciences I had engineering I had computer science I had, <laughs> and accounting in there too so I was a bit all over the place I had all kinds of programs um, and then I remember getting into pretty much all of them uh, and then the one program I didn't get into was because I didn't have the prerequisite but I was like I'm gonna apply anyways because I thought it would <laughs> you know I was like might as well try and so I remember at the end just sitting there with all these um, acceptances and then not knowing what to pick. So I spent like a good month just deciding where to go. And when I decided where I wanted to go, um, it, was, it was going to be between UFT or McMaster at that time, because um, I got into some two really good programs at each of the universities and I was debating between them. And I remember my parents being like, yeah, it's good because you can commute to both of them. And I was really shocked because I was not really planning on commuting to any school. Um, I had really thought I was going to go and live at the campus because that's what I had heard from other students or other my mentors, teachers, that it's a good experience to live on campus. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about university. And it's just better for your overall professional and individual development. So I was really shocked that my parents don't want me to go and live at university. And there was a huge fight, I remember, because my parents were like, no, you're not going. Uh, and I was like, yes, I'm going. Um, and they were like, you can, they're like, I, we don't care where you go, but you're not going to um, any, you're not going to, you're not going to come, you're not going to live there. You're going to commute no matter where you go. And I was like, I'm not listening to that. So I went and called my grandparents, like my Nanima and Nanaji. Yeah. And I called on my parents and uh, they all got in trouble and they had to let me go to university. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is so, I have a very opposite story. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah, I used my grandparents. Dang. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely relate to that too. Like I... Um, my parents were actually kind of opposite. They were like, regardless of where you're going, we want you to stay at campus. And I think, I honestly really agree with you there because um, staying on campus is such a, like an eye-opening experience. You get to figure out who you are as a person and you get to figure out who other people are because from high school to university or college, people change so much and learning and you get to learn about themselves, like your roommate or someone that you're like rooming with um and you kind of get to learn about yourself like where do where are my strengths and weaknesses are at um but yeah so keep on going that's what I would say um but yeah I agree like I think I think especially Indian parents sometimes feel they're they have a fear that you know the kids will get spoiled or that they'll go down the wrong path if they go and live by themselves but I think that when they give such little freedom that actually incites more rebellion and that actually causes kids to you know, go out and do things that they maybe don't want their kids to be doing versus I think 
um, if you give your kids the freedom to find their own path and let them, you know, figure their things out, because honestly, university was a really big shock. I remember going in, like, despite having fought to go and live by myself when I was living by myself, I freaked out in the first week. I was like, I want to go back. I don't want to deal with this, you know, because I remember I'm a very I'm a very big introvert I'm not a very extroverted person and the entire first week of university is called something called welcome week and it was um it was just like huge crowds everyone screaming at the whole like at the top of their lungs for the whole like two or three hours and like there were like multiple events one after the other that were exactly like this I remember being so sensory overloaded and then my room I was sharing with someone and I love her she's one of my best friends now but at that time I was like I need some privacy I need to be alone and in quiet but I could not find that anywhere and I was like I want to go home Um, so I think I think like when those like kids get that freedom they kind of like go crazy but like coming back to that Indian parents thing that we're talking about it's like it's a genuine concern that they have but often they don't realize that that incites sometimes like those like obviously there's obviously sincere kids and like other kids everywhere but I think sometimes that genuine concern is kind of what incites that kid to like you know kind of like do the opposite right exactly yeah and and honestly I think it stunts the growth for a lot of the people in our community when we when we keep our kids so sheltered, it doesn't let them kind of learn how to fend for themselves, how to make their own independent decisions, how to deal in a situation that they're not familiar with. Um, I think I grew the most as a person in my university undergrad years, because it was just so much learning, like I had to learn to live by myself, I had to learn that, you know, you can't just not eat food or just eat all the crappy foods because you're going to feel sick afterwards um and you know there was things that my parents had told me but I never believed them but you know when you're by yourself you're like now I can eat whatever I want I'm gonna eat like I don't know pizza for the whole day um and then you know over time you start you know getting out of you start realizing those things that your parents said but I think you need to do those things on your own you need to learn how to defend your identity to people as well because as yeah. you stand out mm-hmm. and I think yeah. it's, it's it's very easy to always stay sheltered and you know away from situations where people are going to question you question your beliefs sure. question your values um, and being yeah. able to defend them in a way that's not like you know combative or you know trying to put other people down you know it's like yeah. a, in a way of exactly. inviting discussion. Sure. I think I think uh, like that has an impact like when you stay too sheltered I think there's an impact down the road on like that child specifically, because eventually you're going to get into that real real world and say parents aren't always going to be there to protect you, right? So I yeah. think, and I think university is that experience because there you meet, meet all kinds of people. Like, you know, you go into the actual, actual world, you might not meet like some sort of people, but I think university is like a whole, like you meet each and every kind of person. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to learn about yourself, I think. And I think yeah. it should be taken as that. I think a lot of times in the Indian community, we look at university as only to further your career. But mm-hmm. I think for the most part, it's about learning who you are and forming your identity and becoming who you want to be. Yeah. Also, uh, obviously, like, you know, going, uh, like, living on campus can be tough, right? Or like, you know, how you were mentioning, just like that welcome weekend, like, how does like a whole new situation to you? So like, and then, how do you like take care of yourself and like you know uh, make sure that you're in the right space mentally as well like the mental health part of it so how do you ensure that uh, while like you know being away from your parents because like we're so used to being with our parents yeah I think I think uh, university was a very difficult time for me especially in the beginning because it's a lot of change and because I was in a pre-med program, I was trying to apply to medicine. There was a lot of pressure. It was a very high stress environment because 
medicine is very competitive to get into you know you need to do so many different things and there's a lot of misinformation I didn't really have a mentor at that time who was going to help me in terms of you know how to apply to medicine or what to what kinds of things to do and what kinds of things to not do and so when you don't have a mentor you just kind of rely on word of mouth and people say all kinds of really weird things and you know it's just it's just kind of heresy at the end of the day people are just making stuff up or they heard one thing and they're just passing it along and so that creates this environment of a lot of stress and pressure because you are constantly questioning everything you're doing. You're constantly questioning if you're good enough, if you're doing enough. Um, and every mistake you make ends up being amplified because in your head, it's like, this mistake is going to cost me my career. It's going to cost me everything that I've worked for. Um, so I remember, I remember it at one point in second year, I just became so stressed out. I was so anxious. I, I, was, I was just not able to deal with the anxiety and the and the pressure of like being in that environment um and I remember just like having breakdowns at that time because I, I couldn't handle that stress and uh you know at that time like it it's it sounds like oh it was such a bad time but I I I'm genuinely thankful for that time because I think it taught me a lot of really important lessons um such as that it's okay to make mistakes that you know like you don't even if you need to be good at everything you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect all the time. And perfection is really the enemy because it prevents growth and it prevents you from learning how to be a better person. Um, it taught me to get into this kind of growth mindset where, you know, I was focused on just doing my best on learning, on just trying to be, you know, a better student, a better person in terms of, you know, who, who I wanted to be, um, not just in terms of my career, but who I wanted to be in all aspects of my life. And I started doing in, in high school, I was very involved in a lot of different um, extracurriculars, but in university, I'd kind of just um, become pigeonholed into like, you know, all the things I need to do for med school. And so I started in, in second year to like branching out again and start adding those things back into my life. Um, and I think that was really useful for me because um, it takes the pressure off when you're not just thinking about school all the time. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so that that was one of the things I did to care for myself and then the other thing I did to care for myself was reconnecting with my spirituality because I felt that in that first year in the the in the entire like storm of changing all that change that was going on and moving to another city living with a friend instead of my family and you know like trying to figure out how to go to class because you know in university it's a whole other thing where even going to you don't have to go to class no one cares if you're there you know no one cares if you do your homework no one cares if you show up yeah. for the term um so it's like it's a very different environment and you have to figure everything out yourself and it's very independent and i think in the stress of everything being so independent i started losing that connection with my spirituality and that really affected my mental health and so reconnecting with my spirituality was really important for me and maintaining my mental health and then i started you know like getting into physical activity because i stopped doing that in in university because you know in high school we had like gym or whatever but i didn't need to do that in university and so i was realizing that you need to keep moving your body in order to maintain your mental health and so i started you know like going to the gym or cycling or whatever, you know, like doing little things that would help me um, stay back on track and, you know, just starting things like journaling um, to collect my thoughts and being more aware of, you know, the feelings and the, all the things that are going on in our head, being more aware of it so that they don't overwhelm us when something does happen. I yeah. think um, mental health was a really important part of my journey. 
Yeah. So you, think, would you would you say like that second year was kind of like a turnaround year? And like, if so, how did that impact like your third and fourth and then eventually that transition into med school? Uh, I definitely think the second year was a turnaround time for me because I think um, before that I was just being in, under this like pressure of like trying to be the best, trying to be perfect, trying to do everything right. Just, you know, doing every like try, I, I wasn't trying to be myself or I wasn't trying to grow I was just trying to be what I needed to be to get into med school and it was not a good idea and it was in second year I was like do I even want to do med school I started questioning that and I was like you know what it's okay if I don't want to do med school I don't have to I can do whatever I want Um, there's lots of other options there's lots of other things that I can consider and so I stopped putting that pressure on myself that I have to do med school I stopped putting that pressure on myself that I will uh, I have to do everything perfectly or that I can't mess up And I said, you know what, if I mess up, it's okay. If I fail that test, it's okay. It's not a big deal, you know? And having that acceptance just let me be myself fully. And, um, you know, I just started doing things that I enjoy. I started doing things because I want to do them, which is something I used to do in high school. And then somewhere along the way in university, I kind of started freaking out and um, got into a negative mindset. But after, I think it was around halfway in second year. And then I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do what I enjoy and I'm not going to pay attention to, is this going to be the best thing for me? Or is this going to be the, you know, like I stopped paying attention to those things. Um, and I started focusing on just what will make me happy and what will, what is fulfilling for my soul right now. And that really had a really positive impact on me because I started participating in all these extracurriculars. I ended up getting a bunch of research positions that I was really interested in, you know, um, and I started doing a bunch of other things. I started Uh, volunteering on things and I just ended up doing all the things I needed to do for medical school like unknowingly because I was just doing what I was following my soul and um, I just in the end I felt like everything just kind of fell into place and when I was applying for medical school that things just started falling into place and everything that I just realized while applying that was like I just happened to do everything that I needed to do and that being my most authentic self was what allowed me to reach my path in the end if that makes sense <laughs> yeah well that, that's a lot to that's a lot to unpack and i think i think you bringing up mental health i think it's very important especially now with how the political social economic climate is going right now um of whatever like at least in the states at least but um i think mental health is such a big important part um just making yourself sane in this whole pandemic and these like chaotic times um i i, I really like the fact that you brought that up Um, even in an academic journey. So kind of continuing on with this journey into med school, can you like, could you describe how med school differed from undergrad and what were some of the, some of the mishaps and challenges that you had to go through while you're in med school? So, yeah. Um, so getting into med school was like a dream come true. Um, <laughs> even though I had applied, I had not really, I guess my brain had not really just understood the idea that I could get in as well um, and I remember when we got in um, me and my friends because a couple of my friends we got in in the same year and we were all just so excited and happy and we spent the next yeah. in like the clouds it was like a fairy tale for us we were just so happy we were on cloud nine um, and then I remember we started uh, school med school and it was like a whole different world everything was it was very nice because Uh, Canadian medical schools are very supportive of their students they want us to do well they want us to succeed and they put in as many supports as they can to make sure that we do well which is really useful and which is very different from I think um, 
other environments, especially like before medical school where you're competing with everyone, but in med school, it was more like a, a, a environment of collaboration and of, you know, supporting you, supporting your mental health, supporting you. If you're struggling with anything, they were there to help you out. So I was very happy in the environment. Um, and there was a focus on, you know, social justice. And I've been a avid social justice advocate for a really long time. So it really aligned with my beliefs and my values. I was very happy. Um, but in terms of like actually being a medical student, it was a it's a very hard. Um, I think in undergrad, it's a lot easier in terms like of the content. You have like three classes, three out three one hour classes a week. And then at the end of the semester, you have a midterm, or like in the halfway through the semester, you have a midterm and then in the end you have an exam, you know? So the content is very little. In comparison, in medical school, we had um, four to five hours of class every day. And then we had an exam at the end of like the block, which would be after like three, like th two or three weeks or four weeks, if anything, if it was a long block. So it would, the amount of like, it was like the content that we would learn over the course of the entire semester shrunk into like one month. And then we had to write an exam on it. And this was content that we were expected to remember for the rest of our lives, pretty much because, you know, as Dang. a doctor, you need to <laughs> know, yeah. you can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't be like, oh, I forgot what I learned about your anemia. <laughs> Let me go back and check my notes. I never remember that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I felt like it was a lot harder in terms of like studying and a lot harder in terms of the stakes because like if I didn't know the content I was I, could, I had the potential of like harming someone or killing someone so okay. it was very stressful in that sense um but I didn't have that stress of you know like what's going to happen with my life or my career there yeah. was a bit of stability in that, that you know I got into med school yeah um, so so I think I think what we can kind of like talk to is the more like cultural side of you being a sick as well um so one thing that we kind of talked about before this um is about the upper mentality and for those who don't speak Punjabi that means like like us mentality or they're like us mentality right um so do you want to do you want to talk about that real quick yeah I think one of the things I was really struggled I struggled with in medical school and so they told us you know in the first day of medical school they're like people are gonna ask you now you're once you're a doctor you could be at a party people are gonna show you their weird mole or they're gonna show you their weird like rash in the middle of a party or they'll talk about you know like really awkward things and they have no yeah. filter and they'll tell you really private and personal things and be like you know tell me about this or tell me about that and I didn't understand the gravity of that until I went to like one of the Kirtan programs or anything after uh, like, you know, I want like after getting into medical school and I interact with people in my community, I had people coming in and they're like, oh, look at my kid. He has this rash on his face. And I'm like, oh, that looks like a fungal infection or whatever. Why don't you go to your family doctor and they'll give you like the medication for it. And they're like, oh yeah, they already gave it. We just wanted to make sure you agreed with it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm, a th I, I'm a three months into medical school. I don't think that I know as much as the family doctor. Yeah. Um, and like, it, just so, just so, thank you. It, this happened like multiple times. And so that really showed me that, you know, people trust you differently when you're a doctor, even if you're not a doctor. And I think that because you're from their community, there's a different level yeah. of trust that they don't have with other doctors. Yeah. All right. So I think in that kind of statement, you talked about Keith and right? Um, so I'll kind of give a two-minute explainer or like a 30-second explainer on Keithan. So Keithan, um, so for those who don't know, Keithan is basically a singing of Sikh hymns. 
Um, and us as youth, uh, we love to play kirtan on different instruments, like the harmonium, tabla, that is found in like very like Indian uh, music. And that's being played on that. So we like to go to kirtan programs where they sing kirtan, um, just as a little in insight into her Sikh identity. Um, so kind of moving to the Sikh identity part of it, how has Sikhi, um, how's like Sikhism in a way affected your work in a positive or negative way, per se? Um, I think I think Sikhi for me, I think religion is different things for different people or religion or spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's different things to different people. I think for me, it's one of the most important things in my life. So it has guided everything in my practice um, for in terms of being in the work environment. Like I know that it gives you that sense of humility and that sense of, you know, um, ground uh, that that, you know, grounding that, you know, you're here changing people's lives and this is a privilege and that this is not a this is not a right this is a privilege to change people's lives and to be there for them in their most vulnerable times um and i think sikhi really helps me um in terms of dealing with the pressures of the job because medicine is a very difficult career and you see a lot of things you know i've seen people in their worst situations um in i can't even describe the kinds of things i've seen at this point because you know, like when people are sick, they go through really tough times and being there for them is a privilege, but it takes a toll on the on the healthcare workers as well, because seeing that much suffering ends up affecting you. And, you know, you need to like, you need a place to get rid of that suffering from your, um, from your chest as well. And I think um, spirituality is a really good way to do that. It gives you that grounding. It gives you that perspective of, you know, that, there's something larger at work, um, something larger at work or at play that is causing the suffering. And it kind of gives you a little bit of that grounding that you need to be able to deal with the pressure of, you know, just seeing people in that situation all the time. I think on the other side, being in being someone who's spiritual, you end up standing out. So um, for example, I'm a female and as a as a Sikh, we don't remove any hair and I do have hair on my face and I don't remove it. And for that people, that can, for people can be confusing or conflicting or they have a lot of questions. And so uh, I think it gives you that confidence as well to stand out in the world and be yourself and be your authentic self that I think sometimes you don't have otherwise. And, you know, imposter syndrome is something that people or people in medicine face a lot of the times or in a lot of professional schools face a lot of the times because, you know, it's always this idea of am I good enough or not? Well, because we have an identity that makes us stand out so clearly, you know, with our turbans and our, um, our the identity that was given to us by the gurus, it just ends up being, you know, you have to be good enough. Uh, it's not a question of am I, it's that Guru Sahib has a expected me to be good enough and I have to yeah. live up to those principles and so I think um, I think my spirituality gives me that character it gives me that um, it gives me that character and that grounding and it gives me the ability to handle the pressures of being in a medical environment um, and I think it also teaches me to handle like it as a medical as a professional medical professional it's made me a better person because uh, like a better uh, better doctor because you know, you have to be able to have difficult conversations with people. Um, and, uh, you know, like you have to give 
difficult prognoses or diagnoses to patients or tell them about, you know, like they're going to die in this much time or that they, you know, they're never going to be able to walk again or whatever. Or sometimes you just have to have difficult conversations about what kind of decisions to make, you know, should we pull the plug or should we keep trying to treat their parent? Um, and so at that time, being able to have that patience, which comes from spirituality and being able to have that humility to know that, you know, like this is my decision, my opinion doesn't matter. It's about what the family and what they want, having that humility to try and understand what they want and being able to have those conversations um, that will allow people to come to the, come to the, come to the, like the conclusion that they need for their health journeys. Um, I think that's something that I've learned from my spirituality. For sure. Well, that was, that was a lot to unpack there, but um, I, I really agree with that. I think like standing out is such a huge thing. And like, personally for me, like, as we were talking before about, you know, like staying in the dorms, right. I had to hold these, had, have these conversations as well. You know, people are like, Oh, I told them like, dude, I have long hair and you're going to be with, be with me like most of the time. And I'm like, here's my hair. Don't be like afraid of it. And don't like, don't be like, Oh, this guy's going to do something to me. <laughs> we're just, we're just normal people to be honest. We're, we're like, we're very chill people. Right. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and I think um, what I think six need to do, in my opinion, um, they need to have character outside to the rest of the world. We, they need to show that we're confident people. Right. And you need to have confidence in yourself to teach other people, mainly white people, um, <laughs> basically that you you are someone and there's not a stereotype attached to you. Right. And I think that's a huge thing. And I think you have really proved that in our conversation today. Um, so as you kind of mentioned before that Sikhi and spirituality are kind of two big things of your life. So now for like the six Sikh youth who are, who are listening to the podcast, um, what tips do you have for them, um, with their careers and keeping their Sikhi intact per se? Um, I think, uh, everyone has different priorities in their life. And if spirituality is one priority in your life, then you have to make the time for it, um, the the way to put anything you know the way to incorporate anything in your life is to make sure that it's a priority um and for me my my sikhi comes first for me um and so i've made it a point to always always put my commitments to sikhi first and then everything else follows after and that might not be the way to do it for everyone because everyone has different you know like everyone places spirituality at a different spot in their life but for me the way it has been is that Sikhi my commitment to Sikhi comes first and so everything I need to do for Sikhi and so you know things like meditation or Amrit Villa which grounds me as a person you know um, like I it's it's a priority like I will put that first I will you know let go of sleep if I need to or I will let go of you know like doing other things that I might want to do I remember um uh, you know, attending uh, Kirtan programs on the weekends, which are, which as we described earlier, little congregations where everyone just sings hymns together. Um, for me, that's something that grounds me and makes me happy. And it's part of my spirituality and how I practice Sikhi. And so for me, I made it my priority to be able to go to them whenever I can. And if that meant I had an exam on the Monday, that meant I studied beforehand so that I could go on the weekend. If it meant that I had a call shift on the weekend, it meant I would you know, talk to friends and try to switch the call shift so that I was able to go on the weekend um, and, you know, take a double shift if I have to, or take a shift at a different time where it wouldn't 
conflict with my commitments. Um, And I think so in the end, you just have to put systems in place. You have to put, you have to prioritize things in your life. What are most important things to you um, and put them first. And if you put, if, if your priority is clear to you in your head that this is first to me and this is second, then you are very clear and you have to just kind of juggle things around to make it work and make that thing come first. So it's just about having your priorities straight at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think priorities are such a big thing um, because I think without systems, you can't really achieve anything in life. And if you don't have a system in place that prioritizes whatever you want, I mean, that's not, we're not trying to say, oh, you have to be a sick or whatnot. We're trying to say is that if you want to be successful in life and you have something that's very important to you, make that your priority first. Right. Um, but I think it's so great. Sorry to uh, yeah, interrupt no you here, Piram, but I think it's so great that the way Guru Saab has given us this discipline or like what he's given us, like this code of conduct to live by, it automatically put those systems in place. And I know uh, earlier Amang Jutkar mentioned Amrit Villa. And so for those of our viewers who don't know Amrit Villa, it's essentially uh, what Sikhs do is they wake up in the early hours of the morning to meditate upon God and read hymns once again, right? And so this is something that we aim to do every day, that we should do every day, right? And so exactly like, I think when you prioritize that aspect of secure spirituality or these systems, everything else falls in place, at least for us, right? Like, I think whenever we prioritize Guru Sahib over anything, then Guru Sahib in return, like, does everything for us, or he makes everything else that much easier, no matter how much we think. So I think uh, rather than thinking of that Sikhi as a burden upon us, if we take it as something that we like, you know, love or like it's a game of love essentially right and that like kind of like changes everything right it changes the magnitude of everything mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that was very deep stuff just uh but you you, you you definitely make a point about there of how Sikhi has given us these systems in place to put for our lives right Amrit Villa as Jyot mentioned was you know waking up early in the morning and you know meditating and that's and that sort of system allows us to do the things that we always love to do and and how Among Jyot is giving, you know, her life to medicine is such a big example of seva. And seva is essentially selfless service, right? And medicine is such a big, and I think a lot of Sikhs, and you'll see in the upcoming episodes that that is a big portion of why they got into medicine. Um, but thank you for your time, Among Jyot. We really enjoyed you having on our first, very first episode of the Social Sikh Experience. Um, I hope you have an amazing day. So thank you. Thank you for having me.